In this week's Planet Korea, we continue our occasional series on Korea urbanism with our friend Colin Marshall. Colin is the local blogger for the Los Angeles Times Review of Books and an extremely prolific journalist and podcaster on the subject of cities. Today we're headed to the Seoul Station area to get a sneak preview of a very special renewal project. Have a listen. I always enjoy our excursions, uh, but I have to say I'm looking forward to this one, especially because I would file this urbanism development under random, senseless act of beautification. <laughs> That's a good category. We should make that official in I think, yeah. Seoul City. I mean, there are things that a city does because it has to. There's things that a city does because it uh, wants to make things be a bit more smooth. But uh, this is just a case of making the city more livable, more beautiful, uh, encouraging people to use their own two feet and walk around. Making it better. It's a, you're right. It's a very special episode of uh, this urbanism segment on Koreascape. And do, do you want to announce where we are? Should I say it? Well, uh, we are getting a sneak preview in just a moment. Uh, we're waiting on a, a Seoul City official to walk us around the Seollo, the overpass-turned footpath with uh, which is apparently you know like a garden of eden of flowers and trees and greenery right in the heart of seoul next to seoul station it's gone under various names so right now there's ads everywhere because it's it's supposed to open its doors on may 20th to the public but there's ads everywhere calling it yes solo or solo 7017 which references the original 1970 opening of this road i believe it's been called the seoul sky garden that was the previous name now i think they they ditched that one the seoul station overpass which, of course, references what it was before. But it is much like the Chonggechon stream back in the mid-2000s. Uh, it's the next phase of the beautification of Seoul, something that it seems to me people even as recently as the 1990s or the turn of the century would not have thought possible, would not have thought, no, this city doesn't get beautified. That's not what we're about here in Seoul. Even when I first came to Seoul, I first came here uh, right at the start of 2005, and... I came from Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a visually stunning city. You come to Seoul, especially in 2005, and you go, eh, this is kind of a plain city, isn't it? Um, and then Chon was developed, and various other sort of, you know, beautification projects happened. And for most of my time here in uh, Korea, this spot, which is just behind Seoul Station, at least the part that we're looking at, it's been a disused highway overpass. Uh, I'd have to double check, but I think the reason why it was not able to be used by cars was because it was structurally not able to support all the weight of cars. And so now, you know, humans weigh a lot less than cars, usually. So they've, they've <laughs> In Korea, anyway. But in America, our homeland, we don't know for sure. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it, it can easily support a, a, a footpath. And they, they actually got the idea from New York, didn't they? The High Line, yes. This is a project that every urbanist across the world knows, New York's High Line. When what they did there was, it, it was a long bureaucratic process. In many ways, the reverse of projects in Korea, in terms of how long it took and how much battling and fighting and planning and replanning it 
took, but they had an old industrial railroad in Manhattan, long disused, just sitting there running through some buildings, these plants growing on it. You could only get up there illegally, and when you got there, it was kind of dangerous to be there. So there was this group of friends of the High Line that got formed to take this industrial railway and turn it into a park, a park you can just walk up the stairs, walk around, get not quite an aerial view, but an elevated view of Manhattan. And different sections are differently themed. Uh, it ends up north by some rail yards, and it starts down south in a pretty nice area. I mean, it's it's something you don't expect in America as well. It's very clean, even though it's publicly accessible. It's very it's pleasant. It's not noisy, uh, but you can you just walk through these towers. It's like a bridge a bridge through these fancy Manhattan towers. But it's it's very well kept up, and it's it's an, a project I've been wanting to experience for a long time. Everybody asked, given my interest in cities, professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. If you walk the High Line, you walk the High Line, you walk the High Line. So I hadn't until last summer, and it was everything it's been said to be. But this is this uh, Seoul Station overpass, this Seoul Sky Garden, this Solo seventy seventeen has been pitched since its inception as a High Line for Seoul, and it's in some ways more ambitious. I think it's bigger, and it's there's even more landscaping done here. How long is the one in New York? How long of a distance is it? The High Line takes about. An hour and a half to walk. It's, I'm not sure of the exact length of it, but it's a little shorter than I expected. Okay. It's very nice, but it's not, it's not that long. It's not like it takes you a day to get across. You know, I think when they first open this, uh, of course it's going to have the novelty of an attraction and all kinds of families are going to come out and whatnot. What I will be fascinated to see in the months and the years ahead is whether this is actually a utility that people use. Um... If you happen to be located in an office in this immediate neighborhood, it's a fantastic way to get to Seoul Station or maybe to crisscross, you know, the, the part that's behind Seoul Station and the part that's in front of it, sort of Moon and the other areas. Uh, I wonder to what extent people will actually make practical use of it. There is a practical element that it's, it's getting downplayed now. You see the ads, it's all about the beauty, all about how this is beautifying an area that we should add. So the Seoul Station area is regarded by many Seoulites as kind of dingy, even sometimes dangerous, at least by Korean standards, not by Americans. So this, where it is and the beautification going on here has been the emphasis. We're beautifying an area not considered beautiful. But you're right. We're also making it a little more practical for the walker. The Seoul Station area has not been that practical for somebody on foot. Mm. They say that with the Chungaecheon project, uh, when they first redid it, it was fairly plain. But then in the years after, all this lush greenery grew in, and of course the water uh, was always there. They say it actually lowered that neighborhood's city temperatures by a couple of degrees. Because of all the vegetation and the, the vegetation natural and ecosystem the that developed. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, because one of the things, we'll hear from the, um, the Seoul City person when they show up in just a moment, but uh, there are literally dozens, if not hundreds, of types of trees and uh, different plants lining this route. That's one of the things they're showcasing. So I wonder if this will create a little bit of a, an ecosystem, a mini ecosystem unto itself. Hey, <laughs> no problem. Is this our gentleman right here? We've been recording the whole time. <laughs> right in front of you. How are you? Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Yunil Gyu from the Regeneration Planning Division of the Seoul Metropolitan Government. So, Colin, we've been issued our 
hard hats with VIP initials on it, lest anybody mistake our enormous stature. Yes, we are VIPs on. It's still a construction site, we must recall. It's supposed to open May 20th, but still very much Mm -hmm. getting done. Not quite done. We went by a professional video site where they're setting up all the cameras and getting ready to film some kind of uh, advertisement. And already we're starting to see sort of the diversity of trees. Labeled uh, with the name of the species. Labeled. Names in Korean and English. Mm-hmm. Well, Latin. You happy to see this thing come to completion? Ah, yeah, 너무 모르겠습니다. 서울의 그 랜드마크, 새로운 랜드마크. Yes, I'm happy to see it being completed. I'm proud to participate in one of the major projects conducted by the Seoul Metropolitan City and feel more attached to it as I see it come together. How do the planners see this? Do they see it more of a, as a destination that like uh, people would come out and go to this the same the way they would go to a park? Or is this more of a practical thing to help people in the city get around in a nicer way? 일단은 이... This elevated road is a path for pedestrians, so the overall concept is more of a walking path than a park. It'll be connected to 17 pedestrian roads through Seoul Station Plaza, and the area to the north of Seoul Station is expected to reinvigorate the local economy. It looks like there are solar panels uh, atop poles at regular intervals uh those will of course power the lights at night um are those are those completely powered by solar only one thing that occurs to my cynical mind here is that this is a lot of space and a lot of niches and it strikes me that uh, it would be a very easy place for a lot of say homeless people to come or for possible crimes to take place has that entered into the, the... How has that factored into the planning in terms of security and keeping the place safe? You can see that CCTV cameras are installed throughout the road. I don't remember exactly, but about 29 CCTV cameras and 33 emergency bells are installed. So if an emergency occurs, measures can be taken right away. As far as the homeless are concerned, We'll be asking for their cooperation, but because the Seoul city government doesn't regard them as a threat and consider them as Seoul citizens too, we won't stop them from entering this place. You know, one thing I've learned about Koreans by doing this radio show is that Koreans in general tend to know more about the plant world, more different kinds of plants, more different kinds of trees than, say, your average North American. Uh, Do you think out of these 600 or so trees, ordinary Koreans are going to know a lot of them, a lot of the varieties? Yes, I think most people are familiar with the trees and plants here. We designed the roads so that when children come and visit, they can learn about the trees, and we chose trees that are relatively well-known. Colin, can you name 600 kinds of trees? Absolutely not. (laughs) You know, Colin, I'm having a bit of deja vu here. Um, When we were on top of the... Uh, 6-3 building. Yes, the good old Yuxam building. Yuxam building. Mm-hmm. I got this same sort of sense. Um, 
we're at a lower perch here, but just in this short walk, about half of a kilometer, you get this shifting and changing feel of the urban landscape here. You really do. It's a shorter walk than I thought it would be, but things change so much between where you start and where you end. You feel like you've covered a lot of ground in Seoul, even when you're only halfway through it. That's right. It's well-placed, even though they didn't choose where this was placed. This was a freeway overpass, as we say. They've just It happens to be. They've, they just happen to have chose a good place for an urban walking experience. Mm-hmm. We've passed over the railroad tracks leading into and out of uh, Seoul Station. We've gone from some low-rise building neighborhoods uh, out to where the tall skyscrapers are. Now we're overlooking, uh, what is it, a 10-lane highway yes, that goes yes, right yes. past Seoul Station, heading towards Gwangwamun uh, and Sodaemun. Uh, and you really get a, a shifting experience here. You do. You see not a huge piece of soul, but it is in a way representative of all the kinds of, I don't want to say architectural, but variety of the built environment you get in Seoul. And increasingly the natural environment. As we've talked about, there's so many kinds of trees here. The landscaping below is still being completed too. So it's not just up top. It's also down at the bottom making, uh, I, I hate to use the cliche green, but you know, it's making Seoul a bit more green or it's making it, it's making the built environment coexist more with the natural one, even though the natural environment is reinstalled in a sense. You've seen some of the YouTube uh, commercials and some of the commercials that are running on broadcast television. On the buses, everywhere. Everywhere, right? Yes. Uh, and I think there's one in the distance on the electronic billboard over there. How, uh, According to those commercials, how is the city selling this project to the residents? The main... The main thrust of these commercials or these just these announcements is that when you open a city to people by taking the cars away, you... You open up the economy. You open up the activity. You open. You create life. You allow life to exist where you allow people to walk rather than just cars to drive. Mm. That's the angle they always take. And lots of before and after shots. Reminiscent of in the Chongkechon, when you're walking there, you see on the side of the walls, like the old freeway, the old traffic jams. The idea is when it's people instead of cars more happens, more, more of everything you want, more life, more economy, more everything. Uh, not to go off on too big of a tangent here, but one of the sort of expectations that many people around the world have is that driverless cars are going to take over in the next, say, 10, 15 years. And one of the assumptions baked into that whole thing is that we're going to need a heck of a lot less cars, fewer cars, because um, it's just not necessary to have your own car to go anywhere. You'll be able to hail a driverless car, and uh, you'll need fewer of them to accomplish the transportation goals. What that means, it seems to me, is a heck of a lot of excess road and excess freeway. So this might be kind of a a benchmark for how to use future roads, excess roads. What do you do with a space previously dedicated to cars that cars needed when there were so many more cars per person? Uh, It's a question that Seoul has become, if not necessarily the world leader, it's it's come to the front with the Cheonggaecheon, with uh, Solo 7017. It's showing what you can do with your previously car-dedicated spaces. Freeways are a perfect example of car-dedicated spaces. Nothing else can even go on them. Uh, you wouldn't want to be on there as a pedestrian or as a bicyclist. Uh, when, you've, when I've accidentally been on one in Los Angeles, where I used to live in that way, you, you know, I can tell you they're not pleasant places to be anywhere but a car and even in a car. They're not that pleasant. But you know, we're both from America. We've experienced American cities. We know they have a lot of freeway space. Los Angeles does. Other cities do as well. Los Angeles was a pioneer in building urban freeways. But the question of like, what do we do with the freeways we don't need? Because it's going to happen. Mm. The world, world cities show this trend. Cities don't need freeways as much. And I think 
like in Los Angeles, for all they're thinking about urbanism now, yeah. more than they were, they're not thinking about what do we do with the freeways we don't need, which ones are going to be the first we don't need, which segments are going to be the first to be changed into something else, what are they going to become? So look towards Seoul, Los Angeles, and maybe you'll, you'll get some ideas. Do you think uh, there'll ever come a day in L.A. where every single person doesn't need their own car? That day has come, but I wonder when the day is when every single person knows they don't need one. You know, that's the question. It's, it's mental, you know, it's psychological. The city is psychologically still, it's still psychologically more of a car city than it is in reality. Yeah. And Los Angeles is famous for these sort of twisty, turny, eyesore freeways. Right. Um, which could be, if, if, you know, they imitated this project, could suddenly be beautiful if they were full of greenery. I think of the four level, they call it the stack, the interchange of four freeways in downtown Los Angeles. If those were four park levels. Think of how fun that would be if you could ascend and descend between them. Be a good view too, kind of like we have here. Awesome. The otherwise... Supremely dignified Colin Marshall is now it on really, a trampoline. It really works. <laughs> <laughs> He's even jumping in a dignified way on the Have trampoline. Have you ever seen a public trampoline before? You know, no. No. This is nice and safe. It's uh, got some netting all around it and some pads. This is going to be a very, very popular attraction. A tub is going in here where the weary walker can soak their feet. Maybe uh, enjoy some bubbles and some bathing salt. They've really thought of everything, haven't they? They really have. I hope they have somebody to feed grapes to. <laughs> it's almost like a, a healing zone, a yes. well-being zone. To use a couple popular buzzwords in Korean culture these days, healing, healing. well-being, they're both well-being. here. That's right. You know, uh, walk this thing back and forth a couple of times. You've put in your three or four kilometers. You've gotten your sunshine. You've done a bit of forest bathing. And maybe you've soaked your feet and jumped on a trampoline. You've had a full day. Yeah. On Solo 77.2. Ooh, there's some groovy disco lights underneath the plant pots. Purple light features. Even visible in the day. A little homage to uh, Paisley Park. I like to think of it that way. last day you could walk on this they opened it up to pedestrians before construction really started it was some it was christmas back 2015 i, I believe. didn't realize that yeah I, I got on in a bit there was a big event where people could like paint on the ground before they redid everything just walking on a completely empty freeway overpass was a distinctive and memorable experience in and of itself but this is going to be a lot better than that it sounds kind of post-apocalyptic the earlier version yeah it's a bit jg ballard uh, that's true <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, definitely a destination. This is almost a date 
You know, you can figure out uh, by the end of this walk whether you actually want to spend more time with the person or not. And I would suspect, much like the Chongechon, that is the use it will see in many instances. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I hope it uh, doesn't get jinxed, you know? Yeah, you know that path right, right next to Doksugong? Oh, uh, I've heard the stories of this path. They say yes. if you walk along that, you're going to break up. I hope this doesn't <laughs> become the, the breakup overpass. That would be sad for such an expensive project, wouldn't it? <laughs> and such a prestigious one. Although, you know, it would have practical uses if you... It would also have practical know. uses. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to do one thing, sometimes you need to do another. They Goal's say there different. are 50 ways to leave your lover. Maybe this is 51. Here comes 51. 7017 is number 51. <laughs> Special thanks to Yunil Kyu, one of the urban planners behind the Solo 7017 project. He was really extremely generous with his time and his knowledge and letting us walk around before the official opening of the overpass on May 20th. Also, thanks to Colin Marshall, our partner in the Urbanism series. There's a whole lot more of Colin's work to be found online. If you just do a quick search of his name, you'll find his blog for the Los Angeles Review of Books, his extensive podcast series on cities around the world, including Seoul, and a whole lot more. We were both really, really impressed with Solo 7017. And here's the thing. It wasn't even complete yet when we saw it. Uh, for example, while we were there recording, they were still working on this huge structure where they're going to fill hundreds and hundreds of shoes with flowers as little plant pots. Uh, it really is going to be a great spectacle. And before that opening on May 20th to look forward to, to mark your calendars for, I wanted to just wrap up with some fun facts about Solo 7017. The total number of plants and trees along the path is 24,085. That's a huge number of plants and shrubs and so on. The construction budget for the project was 59 billion won, or about $52 million. 40% or so of that budget went into earthquake-proofing the bridge structure. The concept for the project comes from the Korean creative group Very Jun Oh, and the design was drafted by Dutch architect Vinnie Maas. And just in case you didn't catch it, that number, 7017, is a combination of the year 1970 when the Seoul Station flyover was constructed. And 17 is not only a reference to the current year, 2017, but it also describes the number of walkways connected to the flyover. So 17 different access points where you can walk up and enjoy the path. And that's going to do it for this special Saturday edition of Koreascape. Our show is produced by Sol Kim with associate production from Jamie Lee and writing by Christine Saw. I'm Kurt Asian. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at the handle Koreascape. We're back again on Monday with Health Watch and Food and Beyond. Yerika's got some fruity wisdom on what to do with all those spring plums known as Meshil. Stay tuned next for This, That and Amy, and we will see you on Monday morning.